Welcome to Finish Well Radio, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hey everyone, welcome to Finish Well Radio. I'm so excited that you're here. And we are going to talk about English, high school English, and that's one of my favorite subjects to teach. So I have four daughters and one son. Now my son majored in engineering, and one of my daughters majored in accounting. But the other three have gone into... English writing literature type of careers. One of my daughters is a magazine editor, a Christian magazine editor, and one of my daughters majored in creative writing and she's wanting to write film scripts. And another one of my daughters ended up getting her master's and she was an English, a freshman English professor. So three of my daughters went into fields related to English. So you can imagine people always say to me, well, how do you teach English in high school? So I thought, well, I'll just say, listen to this podcast and then you'll know. So I'm going to talk about how I teach English in high school because I may do it a little differently than the average person. It's just something God put on my heart. Some of the things that I do when I, I teach school is a little bit different the way I come about it. So the first thing is I teach five years of high school English, and the first course is in eighth grade. Now, I don't teach them in any particular order, but I have five different classes. Now, these classes look different for each of my children, but some of the things, the basic things, stay the same. So I'll kind of touch on that as I go through all these different classes. So how do I arrive at that? You know, teaching, is it like freshman English, sophomore? No, because remember I told you I might have a senior take the same English class with a freshman or an eighth grader with a tenth grader. So it doesn't have anything to do with specific grade level, but I teach writing skills researching skills and they're a list of books of literature that I want them to read we also cover speech and we cover some different things so basically what I do in each of the classes is there's some really challenging reading there's some more light light reading and there's different kinds of writing skills that we focus on so I think this will make more sense if I kind of go through the different classes but remember I teach five classes and my students don't my students my children don't go through them in any particular order and they just make sure by the end of high school they've taken all five classes and each class is tweaked for each student so like in each class I'll have like okay these are the basic skills I teach but it will look a little different for each of my children maybe the books will change or the writing assignments might be different I'll talk about that as we go one of the first classes that I teach and again there and not in any particular order is one of the classes I teach is I teach my children how to write an excellent essay how to give a decent speech and how to write helpful thesis statements so I'm going to explain what I mean by that but that is my first class and I have nicknamed it communication 101 oral 
and written. And so it's it's my speech class, it's my essay class, and in that class, my goal is that my children would write an excellent essay at the end, and they would be able to give a decent speech. So, you know, I'm much more lenient on the speech. The main thing I want them to do is to learn how to prepare a speech and to become really comfortable speaking in front of people. Just as an aside, if you have 4-H where you live, we were involved in 4-H up until the kids were really in middle school, and all of my children took this amazing speech class at 4-H, and they just learned some of the basics of speech. It was really, really good. So I am, am grateful for that. But sometimes we had other friends, children join us for speech class because it's kind of hard to give a speech, you know, when you just have two younger children and the older ones are all away in college. And so we needed more bodies in the in the house to listen to the speeches and some of those people had never gone through that training so I'm going to just kind of walk you through the speech part what we do for the speech part of this communication class so we will listen to really good speakers and then we'll talk at the end of what made them a really good speaker. Like Ronald Reagan really knew how to connect with people. And one of the ways he connected with people was through humor. And um, it's said that in private, he never forgot someone's name. And he remembered things about them. And I remember reading an article once how he had given this something to one of his aides and it was the the end of his term and he's like I remember when we first came into the Oval Office and you said you like this so I want you to have it and he was shocked that was eight years ago how do you remember that and so really really love of people and that shown through his speaking so that was one person that we listened to but we listened to Martin Luther King's I Had a Dream speech and notice how passionate he was and how how he imparted vision. So we listen to really good speeches. Some of the speeches, like Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death, we've listened to someone redo that speech. Of course, Patrick Henry wasn't recorded, you know, there in Virginia giving that speech, but there are other people who have given it, and they've done a really good job. So that's one thing that we, we do as part of learning to speak is we listen to good speakers, and then we start off really simply. Like, all they do for their first speech is read a picture book aloud, and every speech I demonstrate for them what I expect, and I explain it, and we go over it, and then I give them little outlines that they can work with, and so I make it super clear what I want and then when we do the speeches with the picture book I said I, I want you to pretend you're reading this to your favorite little kid and you want them to love this book and so you're going to put enthusiasm into it you're going to put animation into your voice you're going to make little sounds and so that's the first speech and that is not scary and one of the early speeches is also a demonstration speech because for a lot of people that is so easy because their hands are busy and they're explaining a process and it tends to be a little bit easier so we even make a commercial so we just like we try to keep that really fun now with the essay side of things 
if you want to write a good essay, then you want to read good essays. So we read some really good essays, and we read some old essays and some newer ones, and we just enjoy them, and we talk about what we liked about it. And uh, we also read some classic literature that year, but not as much because we're reading essays, we're listening to speeches. And so then we start with really becoming great at writing a thesis statement that is usable. And by that, like, you can write a good thesis statement, but is it is it what really what you want to say? Is it really going to be something that's helpful? Because I want my kids to be able to write a thesis statement that's basically, this is what I'm going to write. This is going to guide my paper. This is going to help everything make sense. And so one of the things I teach the kids to do is when you're writing an essay, make sure that in every paragraph, it somehow relates to the thesis statement. It doesn't need to have the thesis statement in it, but it just needs to relate because when we write a good thesis statement, that will guide our essay. Now, I know some people like certain lengths. I always tell my kids, I want you to write it long enough that you make the points you want to make and you need to make so it's a good paper, but not so long it's boring. You know, because I've got to read it, and I want to be excited. I want it to be fun to read. And so I tell my kids, write for an audience. Yeah, most of the time the audience will be mom, but sometimes I make the audience someone else, like a friend, someone at church, someone in homeschool co-op, and so they have different audiences. And so we talk about that. And one of my favorite assignments is to have kids write an essay and then turn it into a blog post. Because when you write a blog post, oh my goodness, the rules are so different. And that first sentence is super important because it's going to be picked up online. And if you, you really need in that first sentence to give all the clues to what your article is going to be about. And also, you want shorter sentences, you want to get to your point quickly, and at the end, you want to call your reader to action. Now, there's some similarities with an essay because you do want to add a twist at the end, let your reader think about something new, but it, it's very different kind of writing. And um, it's really neat for kids to take one essay and turn it into a blog post because it teaches them about audience and it teaches them about genre and that's really cool. So anyway, that's what we do. We do all the classics, descriptive and contrasting and comparing and persuasive and we, we really do have fun. We dabble in debate and by that I mean we just learn a tiny bit about it and we have one or two debates. We really don't learn a lot about it. If my kids are interesting, I make a way for them to continue. Most of my kids, honestly, they're not big debaters except my daughter Juliana loved it and so she pursued it and she really enjoyed it a lot but none of my other kids really liked it so it was just to expose them you never know if you like something unless you're exposed to it so with our communication course again the learning focuses essays and they learn to not only write essays but to craft them and we really focus on thesis statements and and half of their grade is does their essay prove their thesis statement so of course 
My theory in, in homeschooling is my children should do A work. If they don't do A work, they just need to do it over, <laughs> right? I mean, we're not going to waste our time. But it is really important to me that the thesis statement is, is usable for them because if they can learn to write a usable thesis statement, it will help them in college, it will help them in life, it will help them if they're blogging, it will help them if they're writing a scholarly paper that the thesis is just such a blessing to a writer when they can really use one well. So that's my first class that I'm talking about. And the second one is an American literature and a research class. And I call that one American literature and research. And what we do with that is we focus on reading great American works and we read you know, histories and poetry. We read adventures. We even read humor. We always read something by Mark Twain because he's so funny. And one of our favorite things to do is to read the diary of Adam, which is hilarious. It's, you know, of course, it's a little bit, it's not biblically accurate, but it's really cute how Mark Twain perceives Adam and the difference between men and women and stuff, it's its pretty funny. The books change for my kids, but the, the authors are pretty consistent, if not one author, then an author that's like him. And so we read things like, I mentioned Mark Twain, but we also read Nathaniel Hawthorne. Now, we might read The Scarlet Letter or we might read House of Seven Gables, but we're going to read something by him because he's a certain genre of writing. Someone that I really like my kids to read is James Fenimore Cooper. Now, he is hard to read, and I didn't realize that because I've seen him on book lists for middle school kids, but he's, number one, he's really wordy, and I know that when we read, what's the one set in the French and Indian War? The Deerslayer, mm. um, anyway, I'll just talk about the Deerslayer because the Deerslayer is the same way. We have to make charts to figure out who is who because the, the names, there's so many names and then sometimes they use nicknames and ah, help. So one of the things we, we start out with the Age of Reason, which is about the time of the founding of America. And we move from there into the Enlightenment. I, I talk to them a, a lot about Age of Reason writing, and I use that kind of writing to teach them to work with original sources. Because here is what we have in America. We have a rewriting of history, and people don't go back to original sources. They quote something written maybe 20, 50 years ago talking about that original source. But it's quite different. Like One thing that I, I always have all my children read in this class is Uncle Tom's Cabin. Because everyone talks about Uncle Tom's Cabin. And Abraham Lincoln said to Harriet Beecher Stowe, oh, this is the little woman who started the war. Because it's it had a profound impact on American history. It really, really did. But what no one ever talks about, it, it, it is a very strong Christian book. It is so inspirational. And if you read it, you will fall in love with Tom. He is so godly and such a righteous man. And in everything he he goes through, he really honors the Lord. And he's such a blessing to the people around him. So we love that book. And it's another hefty, hefty book. Most of the time when we do American literature and research, we start at the beginning of American history. And we usually study American history as well. So we're kind of reading literature and we're 
studying the American history. So we'll read like Ben Franklin's autobiography. When we get to more modern times, we read books written in during that time period. One of the things, though, I was talking about the rewriting of American history, and I got sidetracked. But going back to that, so I want my children to learn to read original sources. Now, if you're going to read stuff by the Founding Fathers, you are going to have trouble because it was written in the Age of Reason. And this is what the Age of Reason means. You make your point you make it again, you make it a third time, you give some examples, and then you explain it all again. And it's so different from writing today. Today, the average book written for an adult is written at about fifth grade level, maybe a seventh grade level. It's super easy to read. And a lot of adults, I'm whispering because I don't want them to know and feel bad, but a lot of adults they would never be able to read children's books from the 1800s. They're just too hard. So when you're talking, you're jumping into the age of reason. And here you are. You are dealing with some really hefty writing. And you can get lost. I mean, these sentences are not short. The book titles are not short. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's the book title? That's like a super long paragraph. So... I'll have my kids read things by From Wealth of the Nations, which was written in 1776. Isn't that interesting? We don't read the book, The Wealth of the Nations. But for our beginning writing assignments, we take excerpts from like Cotton Mather's writing, Benjamin Franklin's writing, Wealth of the Nations, different things that were written back in that time. And then the kids have to do two things with them. One is write a paraphrase and one is write a preface. Now a preface is basically a summary. And so what you do to write a preface is you summarize every paragraph with like you you write a sentence that kind of summarizes every paragraph and then you fit all those together but of course you have to edit you know and you maybe combine sentences leave stuff out and figure out what you need so you're ending up with something very short but with a paraphrase you're basically rewording everything so you're taking everything the author is saying everything the author is meaning but putting it into your own words so if you've ever read the living bible or the message bible those aren't bible translations those are paraphrases some paraphrases they put the author's own interpretation own twist but you're not supposed to with the paraphrase you're supposed to be true to what the author is really saying so anyway that's what we do and i'm telling you the first one they do they're like Oh, 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 help, help, I'm drowning. Um, we usually start with something from the log of Christopher Columbus. And my kids are like, help. And I'm like, I know, this is so hard, isn't it? But don't worry, like, I'm going to work with you. And we'll. By, after a couple of months, we do one a week. After a couple of months, they get it and they really do well. But it's that initial, it's just hard and you have to work with them. Well, why do I do that? Because this is the year we write a research paper. And so I'm basically teaching them how to work with sources. And so they're learning to paraphrase and summarize. And what do you do with your sources? You either paraphrase them or summarize them or quote them. And so that's what we do. We just learn to work with those sources. And we honestly have a lot of fun because <laughs> sometimes my kids will come up with something and I'm like, no, that's not what that word means. you know. And we'll all laugh because the word isn't even used anymore. It's just a lot of fun. 
if you notice something about me, I teach really hard stuff, but I help my kids all the way, and we have a lot of fun. I never want my children to feel like they're not good enough or smart enough. I always want to take them from success to success to success. So anyway, we work with um, sources, learn to write presses, and paraphrases, and then when we get to where we read some of the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers, since those are letters to the editor, we write a letter to the editor, we write a newspaper article, we write an essay, and then we start, of course, step-by-step working on a research paper, and that takes us most of the year. We take a trip to the library, and, you know, we pick topics, we research them, we take note cards, we do everything step-by-step, and everything we do, and I don't think we've ever done this class with just one person. Like, there's always been a sibling or a friend, and we share everything. So, you know, each week we get together, we share what we've done, and we read it out loud, and we help each other, and that is such a blessing, and it's more fun. So, Anyway, that is my second class. So now I've talked about Communication 101, and I've talked about American literature and research. And so my next class is a literary analysis class where I teach my kids to analyze literature, but it's also an ancient literature class. So you're thinking, oh my word, you make your kids analyze ancient literature? No. They actually analyze something that's old, but it's not ancient. We just start with ancient literature. We start with actually the book of Genesis and the tale of Gilgamesh, but the tale of Gilgamesh is actually one of the oldest books besides Genesis in existence, but here's the thing with it. It's dirty, so I usually use a paraphrase of it because I don't want my kids reading all the smut, and that's one thing that I'll just tell you, like, this is the year we read the Aeneid, the Iliad, the Odyssey, but those books in their original are dirty, and some kids, the writing is really at such a hard level they don't notice, but they're actually very sexual in nature. So I use paraphrases for all of them. And one of my favorite paraphrasers is from the 1800s. I use his paraphrases because they're really well written and they're actually written better than anything in the 1900s. And so anyway, his name is A.J. Church and he was a scholar and also a pastor and he wrote them. So we start with ancient literature and we work our way through Aesop's fables, Virgil, St. Augustine. We even read a little Aristotle. We read the Gospels. And then the hardest book ever in that class is a St. Augustine book. We either read City of God or Confessions. Now, those are hard books. I'm, I'm just telling you that because they're so long and they're so meaty, but I love St. Augustine. I love his heart. I love his testimony. I love what he has to say about the church. In City of God, he compares the, the church with the Roman Empire and shows how the church is like the true king. It's, oh, it's, I love it. I just love St. Augustine. But It's even hard for me, you know, to read and to get through St. Augustine. So that's the kind of reading that we do. And then after we read St. Augustine, I'm like so nice. I'm like, okay, the rest of the year we're just going to have fun. We read Robin Hood and we read a bunch of fairy tales because fairy tales are really part of our culture. But here's something really neat that we do in that class. We figure out how these storylines have been repeated 
in movies and books that are modern. What's very interesting, the reason we're basically looking at the foundations of Western literature and those plots, those storylines, those characters that were loved so much about that, the, the hero, you know, all of them are repeated throughout history in good literature. So it's, it's you know how it says there's nothing new under the sun? Well, that's what you learn when, when you do that and you really examine it. We really have a blast doing that because we see so many replications of these storylines. And so we do that, but we also, I told you that this is the year I teach my kids to analyze literature. Now, I don't have them write a full-blown college-level literary analysis paper, but we just start super, super simple. So with the first one, I might say something like, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to talk about whether the plot of this story and the conclusion of the plot was satisfying or not. Was it satisfying? And if it wasn't satisfying, why not? And if it was, why? And so then they're looking at this. So this is it's personal, you know, like, okay, it's not abstract, it's personal. I really hated the book because in the end, he got away with it. Or I really felt sorry for him in the end, he, he lost his wife or whatever. And so it's it's very personal what they think. And so they're just answering that question. And then we move along to something simple like, and I mean, this is simple. Explain the theme in Aesop's fables. Now that is pretty clear. <laughs> but then when we do it in another one, it's easier. And so we're just looking, we're looking at different parts of literature and we're looking to see how we know the character, why we like him, why we don't. And then we end our final paper. It's, it's, we spend a lot of time on that. And then we actually do do a plot analysis of Robin Hood or some other book that we're reading like that. And so that that has really been a blessing for my children because at first, like with Kate, I just said, oh, here, write a literary research paper. Well, she's like, what on earth is a literary research paper? And she actually wrote a great one. But with the others, I'm like, okay, let's take this down to bite-sized pieces because that is really, really, really challenging. So... One of the things that we love about that class is discussing the books. And I didn't mention this before, but we have book clubs in all of our high school classes where even if it's just me and my child, <laughs> we just sit and we drink coffee or cappuccino and hot or chai tea, and we just talk about the books. And that is really fun and really a blessing. And it's really fun when there's a group of about six or seven people and you go off on rabbit trails and you tease each other. You think, what? It's really fun. So, but that is a whole nother <laughs> podcast. I think I did a podcast on that. Anyway, I'm going to share about the last two classes that I teach in high school for English when we get back from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Laura. I had the privilege of meeting Meredith Curtis when my oldest boys were very young. 
When they were in third and first grades, and she recommended that I improve my homeschooling by reading classic literature, I took the advice and was amazed at the results. Later, as they approached high school and she offered to let us use her high school literature and writing classes, I jumped at the opportunity and was glad I did. Now, Powerline Productions has made those classes available to you. With titles like British Literature and Writing, which includes some of my favorite classic literature, American Literature and Research, where students learn how to write a research paper, and the perennial favorite, Who Done It? Murder Mystery Literature and Writing Class, where students actually learn the art of writing their own murder mystery, and more. There's plenty to choose from. For more information, visit powerlineprod.com. That's P O W E R L I N E P R O D. Com. Powerline Productions, being world changers, raising world changers. You've been listening to Finish Well Radio on the Ultimate Radio Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Welcome back. We are talking about what I teach in high school for English. And I mentioned that I don't teach these classes in any particular order. They're each very specific in the type of literature we read and the writing skills that I teach. So you notice that so far I've talked about American literature and research. Those are research skills. And that is formal writing. And then I talked about Communication 101 with essays. And we write all different kinds of essays. And then we learn to give speeches. And then the other class I talked about was Foundations of Western Literature and how I teach analysis skills and how we read really, really, we start with really, really old, ancient works. I did mention that that's the only time I ever use paraphrases because some of the classics are dirty just because they're from pagan cultures. So now I'm going to talk about the last two, classic British literature and creative writing. By creative writing, I should clarify, there's nonfiction and fiction writing in this class, but I love British literature. I think the British, except for the Holy Bible, the British have the best literature in the entire world. They just know how to write. When you read Dickens and you read Milton and one of my favorites, Agatha Christie, Jane Austen, I mean, how do you compare those writers to anyone else? So you just have to take a course and you have to read their writing. Have you noticed I love history some always? doing things historically so we do that too we start with Beowulf and then we just move forward and we learn a little bit about British history as we go because it's just more fun we don't study British history as a course but we do learn a little in this class and so Great Britain is just a treasure trove of amazing literature and we just gobble it up we use literature as a springboard for writing assignments. I'll give you an example of what I mean. So we read Canterbury Tales. We write a story called Tales to Israel. So basically, instead of traveling to a shrine, 
they're traveling to Israel to the Holy Land and so they have all these travelers and then they tell each other's stories so that's what we do and we have a lot of fun writing them and then reading them out loud to each other when we read Pilgrim's Progress we write an allegory and then when we read Shakespeare's sonnets, we write a sonnet. Again, we get into all these deep discussions about literature and how much we love it and the kings and the queens and the good and the bad and the ugly, and it's really, really fun. We really have a good time with the writing assignments. Of course, we write an essay. We do write essays almost constantly through that. And then the Final, the final class is the Golden Age Mysteries and Creative Writing. We write a novel. So in British literature, we do creative writing and, and nonfiction writing. In this one, we... Now, okay, this is how it started. We didn't always do mysteries. The first year, we just wrote a normal novel, and we just read literature. Like, we read any literature we had missed. But then, we all love mysteries in my house, and so we decided to read Golden Age Mysteries by like Agatha Christie and Dorothy Sayers and all these different people. We would read them and talk about them and talk about the clues and red herrings and misdirections and the plot and the surprise and the twist endings and the characterization and all that stuff. So we read it and then we wrote our own novel. So we spent the beginning time like developing our characters, planning our detective, giving him some quirks, giving him a sidekick and all this stuff. And then we went on to write a short story and then further on to write a novel. So that was our writing and here is what we found out in doing this murder mystery class which we call whodunit we found out that it takes so much logic and thinking to create a mystery so it's almost like you just have to keep track of everything so it was really like a brain workout and also that we learned so much about literature because when you're creating your own plot when you're creating your own characters when you're creating your own twist your own endings you're creating a climax all those different things what should the setting be should we change it and we talk about all these different things oh my goodness we like notice so much more in literature now that we've done that so anyway that is a blast and finally grammar people say what grammar do you use well we don't study grammar anymore in high school I do grammar from third grade to eighth grade and then in high school, they do what's called daily grams, and they just review the grammar they learned. They're done with spelling, too, by then. So if you want to use any of your English courses, of course, I told you at the beginning, I've had so many people ask me what you teach for English, and I tell them. And so I've just put, I've packaged up all my courses so that you can use them, too. And so each one is available, Communication 101, Essays and Speeches, Foundations of Western Literature, American Literature and Research, British Literature and Writing, Whodunit, Murder, Mystery, and Writing. All of those are available for you. You can use them. You can buy them as an ebook, or you can buy them in print at Amazon. The ebooks are for sale at PayHip and at Teachers Pay Teachers. And if you go to the show notes, then you can just click the link, and it will take you right to the sale page. But you can go to powerlineprod.com. You can check out all those books and get some for your own high school. And whatever path, though, that you choose for taking English, I hope it will include lots of classic literature and teaching writing skills that they'll use for the rest of their life. I think back to the basics is best. Anyway, 
Until next time, happy homeschooling and God bless you. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Radio with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Radio Network.